He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. 
So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet breath.
How about if we pray in tongues for a little bit, church? Come on. You know how to pray in tongues? This is your chance. Let's do it. As we sing this from the beginning again, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture Jesus right here in this place. All attention needs to be on Jesus. All right, go ahead.
better reason to worship Him than who He is. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the Creator of heaven and earth. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Redeemer, the Savior, the Captain of the host of the army of the Lord. Oh, He's the anchor to our soul. He's the problem solver. He's the great shepherd. He's the prince of peace. The mighty God. The everlasting father. And that's why we worship him for who he is. You know, when you know who he is, you can have what he has. Amen. Oh, Father, we are in your presence. And we are delighted to be able to come boldly before your throne. And Lord, we stand in awe of your glory and your majesty and the beauty of your holy of holies. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. the world's ways are not my way. My ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. But I reveal my way to you, my children, my dear ones. For I am the way, says the Lord. I am the truth and the life. And I will show you the way in which you need to go. Just follow me. Follow my voice. Follow my lead. And I will lead you to greatness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. When we worship with them, they leave a sign on our hearts. Amen. Well, this is the second Sunday of the month, and we're going to have communion. And then we'll do our confession afterwards. I hope you have all, everybody has their communion elements. We celebrate communion uh, once a month, usually on the second Sunday of every month. In the book of Acts, chapter 20 and verse 7, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, It says, on the first day of the week, when we were assembled together to break bread, the Lord's Supper, Paul discoursed with them, intending to leave the next morning, and he kept on with his message until midnight. See, this was something 
The Lord instituted this when he delivered the people from Egypt, and he instituted it as a lasting memorial. He says, every time that you uh, do this, amen, you can do it as often as you want to, to take communion. See, there's, the, the communion elements represents his body and his blood that was shed on Calvary. And in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, Leviticus 17, 11, it says, for the life or the animal soul is in the blood. Everybody say life is in the blood. And I have given it for you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life which it represents. And then verse 14 says, as for the life of all flesh, the blood of it represents the life of it. Therefore, I said to the Israelites, you shall partake of the blood, shall not, uh, you shall partake of the blood of no kind of flesh, for the life of all flesh is in its blood. And then we go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 24. All are justified, and I'm reading from the Amplified, and made upright in right standing with God freely and gratuitously by His grace. Through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, when God put forward as a mercy seat and a propitiation by His blood, the cleansing of the life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. 26. It was to demonstrate and to prove at the present time that He Himself is righteous and that He justifies and accepts as righteous him who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our pride, our boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? Of doing good deeds? No. But on the principle of faith. For we hold that a man is justified and made upright by faith, independent of and distinctly part of good deeds and works of the law. So this precious blood of Jesus, there's life in his blood. The life, the, the blood that was shed on Calvary was the life of God. Think about that. And there is eternal life in the blood of Jesus. And Jesus took his blood and presented it on the mercy seat in heaven. And he atoned for all of our sins once and for all. Our sins are gone. We've, we've been freed from the dominion and bondage and slavery of sin. The blood justifies us and makes us upright freely by God's grace. The blood of the spotless lamb was given on the mercy seat. And what his blood did must be received by faith. Amen? Amen? 
Are you ready to partake of communion? I need to grab my element. Too much talking and not enough doing. Amen? Hallelujah. We serve a good God, don't we? He is great and glorious. Hallelujah. And this was, this meal occurred before Jesus was crucified. Hallelujah. I can get this thing out of here, we'll be good. All right. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. Let us eat. And in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. And Lord, we celebrate the fact that you have made it available to us, Lord. And we are redeemed. We are called by you, Lord. We are cleansed by your blood. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. All right. Hallelujah. You know, there's always a certain flow, and sometimes you've got to go with the flow, amen? I appreciate my team because sometimes they, they don't know what I'm going to be doing, but they just go with it, amen? Well, you ready to speak the word this morning? We're going to make our confession that's based on God's word. I invite all of us to uh, do it together, so let's make our confession. We worship an awesome God. The great and amazing God is among us. Our God reigns supreme. He is the God of gods and Lord of lords. God is great, mighty, and awesome. Our God stands alone. He is the one and only rock of our salvation, our chief cornerstone, and our firm foundation. We are safe and secure in Him. Our God is the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. He shows us things that are hidden. God is our Father, Jesus is our Lord, and His Holy Spirit is our partner working in us, and in Him we live and move and have our being. We are redeemed by God who does great and awesome things. God strengthens and empowers us, and we bless His holy name. All things are under His feet, and Jesus is the head of all things to the church. God our Savior alone is wise. To Him be glory, majesty, dominion, power, now and forever. Amen. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising Word of God. To build a strong body of believers. And to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.
Hallelujah. God is so good. And uh, coming up on uh, March 27th, we have our Barnabas group uh, meeting, our breakfast of encouragement at 8.30 for all men, ages 12 and up. And that's right here. And then at 11 that same morning, we're going to have our egg hunts, right? Every, all the kids aged uh, 2 to 10 are invited to come and participate with that. And uh, it'll be a great time. And then uh, ladies coming up April 16th and 17th, we're having the Woven Women's Conference. And I'm telling you, um, I like to say like, like in today's language, it's blowing up in a good way, Right? Uh, we're getting calls from all different kinds of states, and I think there's close to 100 ladies already signed up for it. So if you haven't signed up, registration is free. We just ask for a donation. Uh, it's going to be Friday, April 16th, Saturday, April 17th. And then also uh, our guest speaker, Robert D. Bullock, who's going to be speaking at the conference, he will be here at our church on Sunday. And we're just going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Uh, we're going to have a full house. All right, because a lot of people that are coming for the conference are going to be here on Sunday as well. So it's going to be a great time. Amen. And then our youth will be meeting uh, on Tuesday at 6 p.m. All right, guys. Hallelujah. Is God good? Are you excited about Jesus? Are you glad to be here this morning? Amen. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad to be here as well. I want to read to you a scripture from Joshua. Chapter 6, before I dismiss the kids. And uh, this was about the city of Jericho. God had said to Joshua that I have given the city into your hands. How many know God can give cities? Amen? He just needs someone to believe him. Right? And in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18... It says, but as for you, keep yourselves away from the things under the ban, which are to be destroyed, so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under the ban for personal gain and put the camp of Israel under the ban, doomed to destruction, and bring disaster upon it. Verse 19. All the silver... And gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy, consecrated to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. What is he saying here? Jericho was the first city in the land of Canaan. Everybody say the first. And Jericho was Israel's tithe. God had given them the land. But he told them that all the gold, all the silver, all the bronze, all the iron of Jericho was to go into the treasury. No one was to touch it, right, or to covet it. See, the problem is you touch it because you coveted it. Amen? You know, we do things because a desire springs up in our hearts. And uh, we know the story that one of the Israelites named Achan, I think that's a fitting name. Uh, he, he, he desired some of the stuff, right? 
and he took it. And then when Israel went to face Ai, which was a lot smaller than Jericho, they lost. They lost lives. And Joshua was like, what's going on? And he said, there's someone in the camp that uh, did something against God's word. Say the tithe is the Lord's. So because it's the Lord's, see, God gives us everything, but he, we, he asked for a tithe. That's a 10%, right? Anything that comes into your hand, 10% is God's. That, that's his. And if we mess with the tithe, we're messing with trouble. Amen? But when you give God the tithe, he said, bring it into my house, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith. So uh, you bring it to God, and God blesses the 90, and he makes the 90 like 100%. Right? And when you tithe, you're just saying, God, you're my covenant partner in life. I trust you. I believe you. I follow you. And I love you. Amen? So, Father, I thank you. Here at VCF, we don't pass a container, but we have a container in the back. You can give any time. Father, I thank you for the gifts and the givers. Lord, that they faithfully come in, Lord, and they honor you and they bless you, Lord. And you, in return, receive those gifts. You multiply it back to them, Father, and you increase them mightily. You cause them to abound greatly. Lord, you bless them abundantly in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. All right, before I dismiss the kids, here are some statements from actual insurance claims. See, my father was an insurance agent, so. uh, Let's see, actual claims of... uh, from insurance from, uh, taken from the Toronto News in 1977. Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. (laughs) The other car collided with mine without giving warning of its intent. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. Stationary. In my attempt to kill a fly, I drove into the telephone pole. Actual claims. I had been driving for 40 years. When I fell asleep at the wheel, I had an accident. (laughs) Oh, that just sounds funny. My car was legally parked as it backed into the other vehicle. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I told the police I was not injured, but upon removing my hair, I found that I had a fractured skull. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not going to read that one. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. (laughs) I thought my window was down, but I found it was up when I put my head through it. (laughs) Avoid hitting the bumper in the car in front. I struck the pedestrian. Okay. Amen. Good to laugh a little bit. Amen. All right. 
We have some awesome kids' life teachers this morning. All right? Mr. Stephen. And we have some awesome kids' life kids. We're going to dismiss you this morning, kids. Have a great class. Be blessed. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm telling you what, there is a mighty presence here this morning. You know, you can't sing about him being here when, and him not show up. Man, he's here to do what only he can do. And uh, how many would like to see greater things? Well, this morning, we're going to hear a lesson about believing is seeing greater things. You know, there was a a phrase in the Bible that, uh, you know, God is, he's a creator and he's always doing something new, right? And, And every time that we get together... You know, we, we endeavor to follow the Holy Spirit because he is the greatest conductor. And only he can make the orchestra sound beautiful because he knows every part, where it should be, what it should do, and how it should incorporate with the whole. Amen? And um, the Bible is so rich and so full of God. You know, we could never get to the bottom of it. We could never discover all that there is because it's a living book. Amen? This is Jesus on paper. Right? So there's always going to be something greater. Something that we haven't experienced. Something that we haven't seen. You know, something that we haven't encountered. I mean, there are... Think about the angels. They never get tired of flying around the throne crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That never gets old. They're never bored. The angels aren't saying, I wish I could stop flying around this throne. No, because every time they fly around that throne, they're seeing a different aspect, a different thing. They're seeing something else because it's so full of life. It's awesome, powerful, glorious. And God wants his people see greater things. If you would, turn with me in the book of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 43 to 51. And it says in verse 43, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip and said unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law 
and in the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. You know, sometimes you don't have to try to convince someone. Just say, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Where did you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe, you shall see greater things. Then these, everybody say greater things. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Can you say amen? You know, this is a lot, this is a very similar story to that which Jacob encountered in Genesis 28. When he had left home and he was by himself. And he set up a camp and he had a vision of the heavens open and he saw a ladder from heaven to earth and the angels ascending and descending on that ladder. And the Lord stood at the top of that ladder and declared unto him things about his future, things that he wanted him to have. But his eyes were open. Amen. Jacob saw greater things. Nathaniel had a promise to see greater things. So let's talk about this. A little bit. Alright? Because sometimes when you read scripture, you kind of glance over things. Right? I know. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I do that as well. And I uh, want you to notice something. That Philip found Nathaniel. He was looking for him. Alright? And maybe he wasn't in his normal spots, but then he found him. Right? He wanted to, get, he wanted to share with him a message. Alright? Notice, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets. You know, they had a little bit of insight into what Moses said and what the prophets said. They did not have a full Bible like we do today. They had the first five books of the uh, Bible, which, is, which Moses wrote. And they had some of the prophets because we know that Jesus took the prophet of Isaiah, the scroll, right? But they didn't have a full Bible. But Philip... And Nathaniel both knew what the Old Testament pointed to. Right? Okay? Now, he found Nathaniel. Okay? And uh, Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth wasn't known for producing good things. Alright? And so... But, in spite of that, he was willing to come with Philip to see for himself. Alright? How many know that you've got to come to Jesus for yourself? Amen? So, verse 47, 
Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. They had never met before. This was the first time that Jesus was revealed as the Savior, as the Christ, right? And he was just now gathering his disciples to him. He was just beginning his ministry. This probably wasn't too long after he was baptized. Okay? So Nathaniel didn't know him, but he tells Nathaniel, a true Israelite in whom there's no guile, no deceit, no hypocrisy. In other words, he knew that Nathaniel was upright and righteous. He didn't say that he had no sin, right? Because before you come to Christ, you're, you're bound by sin, but when you meet Christ, he takes the sin nature away. Anybody who's born again in Jesus, they're, they're not an old sinner saved by grace because the sin nature was taken away. It was removed. Okay? God gave you His nature. That's why you're a new creature. And you have a new feature. Right? So, He tells Nathaniel some things about His character. How would Jesus know that? Well, Jesus knows all things. Amen? He, he can read hearts. How many times did Jesus answer the thoughts of people? Without them saying, they were thinking it, and Jesus answered their thoughts. So Jesus had some intimate knowledge about Nathaniel. Okay? He was a true Israel, Israelite. That after, you know, Jacob became Israel, right? He, he, he was a supplanter, but then he became a prince. How many know in God's kingdom a supplanter can become a prince? God loves to change people. He loves to change hearts. He loves to change their course of destruction and put them on the course of destiny. So, he had no self-deception... He had no disposition to deceive others. Alright? He, uh, he was upright, honest, and had integrity. And Jesus is telling this to Nathaniel before he ever met him. And uh, Nathaniel said unto him, How do you know me? And Jesus said, before that you were uh, sitting under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I always thought that he was just catching some shade. Right? I mean, on the hot day, you're sitting under the shade, but that's not the case. Oftentimes, the Israelites would retire to their garden that had fig trees and vines. And they would use it as a place of meditation and prayer. How many times did Jesus go to the garden? and have conversations with the Father, right? It was a place of meditation and a place of prayer. It might have been in his own backyard. But he's sitting under the fig tree, he's having a conversation with God, and Jesus is privy to the information that he's conversing to God about. He said, I'm a perfect stranger to you, and you know my character? 
That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? See, Jesus was present in spirit to observe what passed in his secret moments. Okay? Um, And this information, Nathaniel knew that no one else could know but God. All right? Because there would have been no way, because he was just beating him for the first time. That would be like if I met you for the very first time and I'm telling you some things about your life that no one else could have known. You'd be like, whoa. Do you remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? And she went and told the group, she said, come here a man who's told me everything about my life. Is this not the Christ? How did Jesus have that information? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The word of knowledge is a revelation of a known fact. Known by someone, but revealed to someone else. So Jesus, who had the Spirit without measure, he's also operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he's giving information. See, God reveals information to put you on his side. To get you with him. To get you for his cause. Alright? And, uh... So, the moment that Nathaniel knew that Jesus was speaking as God, all of his prejudices about Nazareth were removed. And he was open to, he made a bold confession about Jesus' person and his office. You are the Christ, the King of Israel. You are the Son of God. Same confession that Peter made, right? When Jesus said, who do the people say that I am? And they said, some say Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist, some say another. But who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I feel like Tony the Tiger. You're great. Right? And Jesus testified. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, but my father, which is in heaven. So Peter had a moment of revelation of who Jesus was, and he made this confession. Okay? Now you're saying, I wish this would hurry up. This is the foundation. We're going to get into the the main point of this today. Amen? So, Nathaniel makes this confession. Alright? The Geneva Study Bible said, Simple uprightness discerns the true Israelites from the false. Jesus knows who is true, and Jesus knows who is false. And he's declaring Nathaniel that he is a true believer. Okay? So, and, uh, so that's where he was before Philip called you when you were under the tree. And Nathaniel answered, And said unto him, Rabbi, teacher. See, that revelation gave him insight into who he was. And so he made a confession. You know, faith confesses the word of God. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said, because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? 
Do you believe me? Because of the supernatural knowledge of the character and secret actions which I now discovered? Because you believe, everybody say believe. You will see greater things. See, believing God opens the door to seeing greater things. If you want to see greater things, it, you're going to have to do it by believing. The world says seeing is believing. But God says believing is seeing. God flips it around. Amen? And so, Nathaniel's conscience testified to the truth of what Jesus said about him. Because of what he was doing under the fig tree. And um, so here's some things we learn about Nathaniel. Jesus knew his thoughts, his desires, his secret feelings, and his wishes. God knows you like a book. Because he wrote the book. He knows... Could, could you know how many hairs I have on my head? God knows. He knows how many hairs are on each person's head. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You being here today is not a surprise to God. Why? He knows you. He knows you better than anybody else. He knows you intimately. He made you. He knows everything about you. He knows what gets you. He knows what you were designed to do. Why? He designed you. He created you. So Jesus sees what's done in secret and because he is divine. Jesus sees when we think little of it. You know, when God was looking for a king to replace Saul, he was looking for something that no one knew what he was looking for. He wasn't looking for stature or physique or skill, but he was looking at the heart that only he can see. See, only God can see the secret things that go on in our lives. You may be able to try to hide it from people, but you can't hide what's really going on from God. Because he knows. Just like the prophet in, in Kings. Syria wanted to attack Israel and they planned a secret ambushment. And God was revealing to the prophet what the king was saying in his bedroom. And the prophet told the king of Israel and said, don't go here, they're going to ambush you here. So he sent out scouts and sure enough, it was exactly as the prophet said. And the king of Syria was mad. He said, Who, who's against us? And they say, no one, sire, but there's, someone, there's a prophet in Israel who's uh, having your secrets revealed. God is the revealer of secrets. Isn't that part of our confession? He reveals secrets. There's no secrets from God. You might have secrets from people, but there's no secrets from God. God knows the real story and the rest of the story. Jesus sees us, especially in our private devotions. He hears our prayers and he marks our meditations. This is what we learned from Nathaniel. And this isn't even my whole message. Jesus judges of our character chiefly by our private devotions. 
You know, what's a man of character when he does something in public or when he does something in private? The character is all about being the person you need to be and should be when no one else is looking. That's what true character is about. Those are secret, our private emotions. The world sees them not. In our closets, we show what we are. Years ago in Illinois, in some of my early preaching days, I preached a sermon called Coming Out of the Closet. See, the world likes to come out of the closet in a wrong way, but we need to come out of the closet full of power, full of glory, because the closet is where we pray. The closet is where we commune with God. We need to come out. There's some more Christians need to come out of the closet full of power. The prayer closet. Not the world's closet. Keep that stuff in the closet. What caused Nathaniel to see greater things? It was one thing he believed. He didn't do good works. He didn't pay money. He didn't have the right connections and relationships. He simply believed who Jesus was and what he said. And because he believed, that gave him access to greater things. So believing is seeing greater things. Can you say amen? Believing is seeing greater things. Believing enhances vision. It causes the unseen to be seen. I heard a great point the other day. I was listening to Mark Hankins' uh, spiritual leadership conference, and a pastor was preaching. His name was Joel Sims, and he talked about if you want to get a dream, you got to go to the dream giver. You don't want to go to the world to get their dream. You want to go to the dream giver. Who's the dream giver? The Holy Ghost is the dream giver. When you commune with the Holy Ghost by praying in the Holy Spirit, He will burst something in your heart so that you can do it in the earth. You can't do something in the earth that hasn't been birthed in you. So you want to get your dream not from Netflix, not from Facebook, not from Instagram, not from Twitter, not from any of those things. You want to get your vision and your dream directly from the Holy Ghost. The world doesn't have a clue about your dream, but the Holy Ghost does. And whether you realize it or not, but Nathaniel was communing with God, and he got the results of his communion with God. Amen? Believing opens up opportunities to greater things, more mighty works, wondrous surprises, and miraculous acts of eternal realities. I have gotten some of the greatest revelations from communing with the Holy Spirit. Spending time with God. No one else around. No distractions, but just caught up in the Spirit. So that, see, when you're caught up in the Spirit, then you'll hear it. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Second Corinthians chapter one. Can you imagine Jesus gave Nathaniel a promise that you shall see greater things? And it's not recorded the things that he saw. And and some think that Nathaniel was also known as Bar- Bartholomew. Nathaniel was also known as Bartholomew. Anyway, Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty. For all the promises of God, notice, in Him, in Christ. How many promises? All of them. The key to having what God promised is to know in Christ. All the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. Every promise that God gives, He says to you, yes and amen. It's yours. You can have it. Go ahead and take it. Go ahead and do it. Have fun. He said, here's the keys to the kingdom. Go ahead and have fun. Did you know that it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the keys of the kingdom? You have access to the kingdom. You have access to the king's throne. You can go before him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And you can talk, and you can converse, and you can have a conversation. You can have dialogue. You can hear his voice. And that will open you up to greater things. Is what you believe now sufficient to to sustain you even through troubling times? The time that we lived, that we went through in 2020, it revealed what people believe. It revealed where people put their trust. And for a lot of people, it wasn't in God. People who went to church stopped going to church, and some of them haven't even come back yet. Why? Because that's what they believe. Verse 21. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Say, I'm established and anointed. Established means long term. Christianity is not a 440. It is a marathon. You run marathons differently than you run shorter races. Right? Christianity, how many are in it for the long haul? I didn't just become a Christian to be a Christian for a day, a week, or even a year. I'm going in decades. And I continue, I'm going to continue going on with the Lord. Amen? I'm going to walk with Him and serve Him and preach His Word and do what He called me to do until I go home. Notice, not, I didn't say until He takes me home, God's not a thief. You know, when people die, God didn't take them, but he certainly receives them if they're born again. Oh, I'm going to be here until God takes me. No. If God took people, why would he say, with long life will I satisfy you? Amen? Why would he talk about length of days being added to you? Amen? God's not a taker, but people die because we, we don't have all the information sometimes. Amen? But that's why we've got to get people born again. If they're born again, they just change locations. Amen? They're in heaven and you're going to see them again, praise God. 
I'm getting into a lot of stuff that I didn't intend to get into today. All right. Verse 22. Who has also sealed us and given us the earnest. That's the down payment of the spirit in our hearts. How good is the down payment? Imagine when we get the whole thing. Glory to God. We just have a down payment of the Holy Ghost. But there's more to come. There's greater things to experience, greater things to do, greater things to see. And all we've got to do to step into the greater is to believe. Nathaniel believed him. Nathaniel believed the report that was told to him based on what Moses wrote and what the prophets wrote and what Philip said. He believed him. He believed what Jesus said. He didn't ask any questions. He didn't. He just received what Jesus said in the moment. And in the moment, God met his faith with a rich reward. Amen? All God's promises are possible to us through Christ. Go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Nathaniel is going to help us answer the question today, what does it really mean to believe? Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. Jesus is talking. Can Jesus lie? Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, what is possible? All things are possible to who? To him who believes. Believing opens up the door of possibility. Believing can change natural circumstances that seem impossible, it can make them possible simply by believing. Amen? Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 65. Longest book in the Bible, Psalm 119. I went through the whole book of Psalm 119 and I marked out all different versions of different verses and maybe I'll come out with that sometime. It's in my notes. All right, Psalm 119, verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to what? God deals with us well according to his word. God is the keeper of his word. God is the doer of his word. Therefore, when he speaks, our response should be, I believe it. Yes, Lord. Say that with me. Say, I believe it. Yes, Lord. See, believing is simple. It's responding to God in a positive way by accepting what he said. And not adding to it, not taking away from it, not trying to reason out. Just accept it. Just take it. Oh, but that's wild. So what if it's wild? Take it. Oh, that's, that's good. It's good. Take it. Verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have what? Believed what? Your commandments. Isn't his commandments his word? Okay? 
So, what does it mean to believe? It was because Nathaniel believed the Lord. And his believing gave him access to seeing greater things. What you believe is what you can have. What you believe is what you can do. If you can, or if you, if you believe you can, or if you believe you can't, you're right. Henry Ford said that. If you believe that you're a failure, then you will fail. If you believe that you can't be healed, you won't be healed. It's based on what you believe. The body of Christ is full of believers. Amen? Not doubters. Alright? What does it mean to believe? It means to have faith and trust in Jesus. Just take Him at His word. We're praising Him this morning for who He is, right? Who is He? When you believe who He is, you can have what He has. Your believing gains you access into heaven's goods. Amen? To believe means I am entrusted with the truth or the person or whatever He said. To believe means to think to be true, to credit or to place confidence in. Believers are confident people. They don't shirk. They don't go, oh my goodness. Believers don't fear. Believers are bold. Because when you believe something, it will touch your whole being. What you believe resonates with your thoughts, your words, and your actions. It will affect your whole being. It'll affect how you walk. It'll affect how you talk. What you believe. Jesus asked Nathaniel, do you believe this? And, and Nathaniel, he didn't, he didn't have to think about his response. He didn't have to say, okay, let me think about this for a minute. No, he believed it so strongly that it just flowed out of him. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He didn't think about it. He didn't, he didn't have time to think about it. He believed it so strongly and so intensely that it just flowed out of him. See, when you believe something that strong, it just flows out of you. Healing will just flow out of you. Forgiveness will just flow out of you. Strength will just flow out of you. Amen? What you believe will just flow out of you. You don't have to think about it. Why? Because it grips your whole entire being. It's to affirm or have confidence. It's to be persuaded. How quickly does... How quickly does... Let me put it to you this way. How much time does Jesus have to take to persuade you of who He is and what He's done? What do, what do you have to be convinced of? That he, already, he hasn't already laid, out, laid down in his word. How do you increase your believing? Increase your hearing. Hearing of what? Hearing the word of God. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? 
Faith doesn't come by hearing Fox. Faith doesn't come by hearing Newsmax. Are those things bad? No, they just won't bring faith to you. They can bring information. All right? And then you can take the information to the throne of God and do something about the information. Amen? But don't spend your days listening to more of those things because you're going to have... There's, none of those things won't produce faith. The only thing that will produce faith in your life is the Word of God. Spending time with the Word. Listening to the Word, the pure Word. Not some watered down, filtered down thing that you can't even recognize. This is what it means to believe. To believe means to... It's a conviction. It's a trust. You're impelled by certain inner prerogatives. To believe means no other proof is necessary. To believe means you've weighed everything out and everything out is for certain and no other proof is necessary. No other evidence is necessary. The only evidence that Nathaniel had that Jesus was the Son of God was he said something about his character that was done in secret. That no one knew but him. That simple statement, Nathaniel put all of his belief in. And he was right. Right? He invested his belief in Jesus, and in return, Jesus received his belief and gave him seeing greater things. Oh, we're going to see some greater things. Amen? You ain't seen nothing yet. You mean there's more? Oh, there's always more. There's always more. God's not a drop in the bucket. He's a flowing river. Amen? Actually, he's flowing rivers. Do you know that currently, right now, there is a river that's flowing from the throne room of God? It has never had a drought. It has never lost its uh, uh, depth or value. It has never lost its power. And wherever that river flows, it's going to do something. It's going to affect change. And you just, all you've got to do is get in the river. All you've got to do is learn how to play in the river. But it's what you believe about the river. Those who don't believe the river won't get in the river. there's a lot of things coming out. See, when you believe, everything you do after believing reinforces your belief. When you believe something, your words, your actions, and your thoughts all support and reinforce that belief. That's how you know someone really believes something. And some people believe something so strong, they believe something wrong so strongly. I'm going to pray and worship an idol that a man made? Are you kidding me? But some people believe that so strongly that that's what they do. See, when you believe something, everything after what you believe will support or reinforce that belief. Oh, it's easy to say I'm healed when in, in an anointed service, but how about when you're at home in bed? Do you realize it's just as easy to say it here as it was there? But it's what you believe. It's hard to be healed when you say, oh, yes, I'm healed. Say, oh, no, my back hurts. Oh, yes, I'm healed. Oh, no, my back. You know what that is? That's wavering. That's unbelief. We're getting into it now. 
When you believe something is true, it comes out of you or shows itself with ease. It just flowed out of Nathaniel. It flowed out of Peter. Amen? When I got born again, calling upon Jesus, it just flowed out. I didn't have to think about what I was going to say. I just said, Jesus, come into my heart. Amen? It just flowed out. It comes out with ease. When you believe something, things become easy. Amen? Hallelujah. You cannot believe something without it affecting your whole being. What you believe will be heard, seen, and on display. Alright? Go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And look at one verse. Verse 24. I want you to see something here. I'll get there here. I'm getting there. All right. Mark eleven twenty four. Listen to this. Who's talking? Does Jesus know what he's talking about? He is an expert on the subject. Actually, he's an expert on all subjects. Okay? Therefore, I say unto you. Here's the question. Are you going to believe what he says? That's the question. Do you believe what he says? Not what you feel, not what you think, not what someone else says, but what he says, the word of God, the source of all life. I say unto you, what things soever you desire, how many have some desires? Okay, whatever thing you desire. When you pray, see if you're going to get that desire met, who are you going to go, who are you going to, go to to meet it? You're going to go to prayer. What do you do in prayer? You're communing with God. Okay? Did you know that you can have your needs met by faith? Elijah was in the midst of a drought that he caused. So God sent him to a brook. There you're going to have water. But what about food? I have commanded the ravens to bring you bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. The ravens obeyed God's word. Are you smarter than a raven? You certainly are. There's not one bird brain person in here. What, what sent Elijah to the brook? The word of God came unto him saying. So he had to believe in the word to provide for him. Supernaturally. So he believed the word. The Word sustained him. The Word gave him water. The Word gave him food. Then the brook dried up, but God, God had another source. He had another commandment. I've commanded a widow to sustain you. Was Elijah not taken care of during a drought? I mean, my goodness, the first thing he asked for when he got to a widow was water. Elijah, don't you know that there's a drought? Yeah, I do. I caused it. What sustained him? It was his believing what the Word said. Go and do this. That sounds strange. Go to the brook. But that's what the Word said do. And guess what? That's what he did. And guess what? He was provided for. Hey, this thing works. Okay. When you pray, believe that you receive then. Everybody say then. 
you shall have. What comes first, the receiving or the believing? Believing comes before having. But if you don't believe, you're not going to get. When you have a desire, when you pray, you must believe that you receive. Everybody say, believe, I receive. When you need healing, you must believe that you are healed before you get healed. Not that it's on the way. No, you have it. How do I have it? I have it by faith. My belief has latched on to the fact that Jesus is the healer. And I'm fully convinced and I'm fully persuaded that any sickness, disease, infirmity, or weakness that I have in my body, I know that I know that I know that Jesus is my healer. And I have believed that and that's what I confess and that's what happens in my life. Believe you receive and you shall have. That's a principle of Jesus. That's a principle of the kingdom. This is exactly what Nathaniel went through. He believed one statement of the Lord. It changed his whole outlook. It changed his hope. It opened his eyes to see greater things. How many want to see greater things? Amen? Well, we're increasing our belief. See, Jesus is the ladder of heaven. Go with me to... Uh, well, you know, it, it wasn't uncommon for people's eyes to be opened and to see things. In 2 Kings 6, Elisha was surrounded by an enemy. And they wanted to take him out, right? And his servant, who couldn't see beyond what was seen. Okay? Uh, we just better go there. Second Kings six. Yeah, I'm getting ready to see greater things. Verse sixteen. Okay, so the, the servant is all befuddled, right? He's like, Master, Master, did you see? I woke up. He, he, he gets his coffee, right? He walks outside and he sees the, the city is surrounded. He's like, oh my goodness. Probably didn't say those words. But he's all frantic. He's in fear. Why? Because he can't see. Did you know that what you can't see might cause fear? All right? And he's all nervous. He's all scared, right? And uh, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, and Elisha's just like, he's chilling, right? He's like, dude, it's early. I wanted to sleep a little bit more. And Elisha's response is, fear not, because Elisha was seeing something that no one else could see. All right? So Elisha, he's just chilling, right? He said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than be with them. And the servant, who couldn't see because he only had natural vision, he's like, dude, I see you and me. That makes two. There's a whole lot more out there. But see, Elisha was seeing something different. He had a greater vision. Notice this. 
Verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may what? See. And uh, the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain. Everybody say the mountain. Was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Elisha knew what was around him because he had insight. He had, his eyes were open to the spiritual things. But thank God that he prayed and his servant could see it too. His servant saw something that he couldn't see before. Chariots of fire are a whole lot greater than chariots of iron. Fire melts iron. Amen? Did you know that you have more on your side than, on the, devil, than the devil has on his side? Amen? You just got to see. What did God tell Abraham? As far as your eye could see to the north, the south, the east, and the west, what did he say? You can have it. You can have what you see. Amen? Some of you need to see bigger things. You need to see greater things. Amen? I know the Lord's helping me expand my vision. Did you ever have to repent because your vision was too small? I I have. But thank God that God is an expander of vision. Right? God is an eye-opener. Right? What did Balaam see that he didn't see? The donkey saw... The angel before Balaam saw the angel. And Balaam is beating the donkey. Right? Because the donkey's seeing something that this, this quote-unquote prophet can't see. And he's beating the donkey. Finally, God spoke to the donkey. He said, hey, Jack, what you doing? I've been a faithful... I mean, that's my interpretation. He said, I've been a faithful donkey. I've been with you for years. What are you doing beating me? And then, then he saw the angel with the sword in his hand about ready to take his head off. Thank God for the donkey had eyes to see. Save Balaam's life. What happened to you, Balaam? I was saved by a donkey. Amen. The donkey saw what Balaam couldn't see. And the donkey stopped. He said, I'm not getting my head cut off. Right? Amen. The church... We as the church, we must believe first. And then we'll see the full manifestation of God's glory and power upon the earth. You want to see revival? Then open your eyes. Jesus said, don't, don't, don't think that harvest is four months away. He said, open your eyes and look. It's ready. It's right before us. But we're not seeing it. We need our eyes open to see greater things. Amen. There are people around you every day that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Gospel of John. Eyes are being opened today. What do you see when you give an offering? Do you just see your offering or do you see your harvest? You've got to know that every seed produces a harvest. When, it, when a seed leaves your hand, it does not leave your life, but it goes into your future. Amen? We've got to get our eyes on the harvest, not the seed. 
Do you think a farmer looks at his seed when he's planting corn? No, he sees stalks of corn. He sees silos full of corn. He sees uh, uh, machinery going in together, so much corn that grew up. He doesn't see the seed because once you bury it, you don't see it anymore. So then what do you got to focus on? You got to focus on the harvest. That farmer focuses on the harvest that he's going to get, not the seeds that he sowed. We've got to change our perspective a little bit. Give yourself a raise. How can I give myself a raise? Offer more. Amen? Do you believe that God gives to the giver? How many believe that God gives to the giver? Then based on what you believe, that's what you do. Amen? Okay. John 6, verse 26. I'm um, 28. John 6, verse 28. So some people came to Jesus, right? Then they said to him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? How many want to work the works of God? Jesus said, the same works I do, you will do also. Amen. But, but what kind of works? Greater works. Why? Greater in scope, greater in number, greater in reach. Do you realize we can reach more people today than Jesus did when he walked the earth? Because he was only limited to a certain geographical area. He didn't have the internet. Amen? But he, he ministered to where he was. But our scope is much greater. That's a greater thing. That's a greater work. When we can reach more people. Amen? We don't have to get on a boat and sail there. We can go there without leaving. We can go there in our pajamas. Glory to God. Thanks to technology. Hallelujah. We've had, we've had people call in here or email us from different countries saying that they've seen us online. That's how Bishop Keegan got in touch with me. That's how Stan Jim Sharma got in touch with me. I went to Kenya because someone saw me on the internet. I went to India because someone saw me on the internet. I met him the first time in person when I went there. I met Bishop Keegan the first time when he came here. Thank God. The greater in scope. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm having a real good time today. Okay, Jesus said, here's how I want to work the works of God. Do I got to go to school? Do I got to get a degree? Do, do I got to do this? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he sent. You got to go to the university of Jesus. You got to be in a relationship with Jesus. Do you believe in him? Amen. When you believe in him, nothing is impossible to you. You can do anything that you need to do. Hallelujah. Simply by believing in him. My goodness, George Mueller, he ran orphanages in England. He never sent out a help letter. He would sit in his rocking chair and he would pray to God and God would supply the orphanages with what they need. He took care of hundreds and hundreds of kids. Amen. Praise God, we got an orphanage leader right here, Pastor Fiona. Okay? They said therefore unto him, verse 30, What sign show you then that we may see and believe? Uh Uh-oh, they got the order mixed up. They want to see something and then they'll believe it. That's what most people do. They want to see it before they believe it. They're from Missouri. You know what Missouri is called? The show me state. Get out, of, get out of Missouri and come to Pennsylvania, right? The Keystone State. What do you, 
What are you going to show us then that we may see and believe thee? What, what uh, do you work? Our fathers did eat man in the desert. Now they're going by their experience. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is which he comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. But see, they did not believe. They could, the bread was sitting right there. They could, have took, they could have took a bite. They could put some butter on it. But they couldn't even see that he was the bread of life. Because they didn't believe. They wanted to see something before they believed. What are you going to show us that we might believe? Nothing. If you don't believe my word, I'm not going to show you anything else. You didn't hear me. If you don't believe God's word, he's not going to show you anything further. His word stands alone. My goodness, the thing that created... If you don't believe the thing that created the world, you're in trouble. I mean, God's word is holding up this universe. If he was to ever lie, just one little lie, the universe would crumble. Now, we've talked about what it means to believe. Let me just briefly go over what unbelief is. Okay? It's a negative response. You know, it's like a steel cable. If you've ever seen a steel cable, it's got several wires wrapped together. And if you, unbelief may start like one wire, but when you get other wires wrapped together, it's harder to break. A cable is harder to break. Right? Um, unbelief, it's, it's a negative form of believing. It's a want of faith. It's unfaithfulness. It's distrust. It's betraying of a trust. That's what unbelief is. Alright? Um, it's a want of faith. Right? Uh, what, kind of, what kind of witnesses did they have at Jesus' trial to crucify him? If you read the Bible, they were false witnesses. And even the false witnesses didn't agree. That's how, that's how confusing the enemy is. The false witnesses that they had, they didn't even agree with each other. Because the devil doesn't know what to believe. Okay, if belief in Jesus opens eyes, then unbelief blinds eyes. Unbelief blinds people's eyes. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You've got to understand the difference between the two. What it means to believe and what it means to unbelieve. I'm telling you, God is not happy with unbelief. It hinders His work. Alright? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. If our gospel is here, what's the gospel? It's the message. If someone can't see the message, if someone can't hear the message, then it's hiding. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? Satan. This world system. The world that we live in, its system is run by Satan, but we're of a different kingdom. Amen? 
We are not of this world. We are of another world. Amen. And God put us here as citizens of his kingdom to uproot what the devil's doing in this world. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which what? Believe not. An unbeliever is simply blinded by the devil. There's a lot of people who are blinded. Jesus told the Pharisees, you are blind guides leading blind people and you're both falling to a ditch. The religious people were blind. They couldn't see Jesus for the Son of God. They couldn't see him for the Christ, that, who he was. Even though he did miracles in front of them. Even though they had all these testimonies, they still didn't believe. Some of them did, some of them didn't. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So unbelief blinds you, it keeps you from seeing the truth or the possibility. Rejecting Bible teaching and taking offense is unbelief and it hinders God's work. Jesus said in, my, in his hometown he could, he could do, could do no mighty work. Not that he didn't want to, he couldn't because of their unbelief. The disciples came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast out this devil in Matthew 17? He said, because of your unbelief. Here's what unbelief does. Unbelief is an inability to discern, confront, and cast out an evil spirit. Unbelief weakens a Christian, and unbelief limits possibilities. So if you think you're going to confront the devil, guess what? we got a lot of devils in the world today. There's only a third of them. But guess what? He was in us is greater than he was in the world. That I have the greater one in me. But are you ready if you have to cast out a devil? Well, I've never seen the devil. You haven't? You can, de- you can detect the devil. Anything that contradicts God's word is devilish. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Amen? Anybody who lies is of the devil. Why? The devil is the father of lies. So if someone lies, that's the devil talking. Or the devil's whispering in their ear and they're being influenced by the devil. If you lie, you're of the devil. What is Solomon in here? I'm telling you the truth. If you had to confront the devil, do you have enough faith to do it? I had to confront some devils in my hometown in Atlanta, Georgia, and in some other places. I, I was a young Christian, just gotten born again, not too long ago. And my sister and me and her friend, we had just gotten out of a church service. And there was this guy on the steps of the church, the entrance, and we started talking to him. You could tell he had like a dark mist on him. And all of a sudden, he dropped to the ground and started shaking and convulsing. And so me, 12 years old, my sister and her friend, we're there and we're using the authority that we have. A young Christian has all the authority that they need in the name of Jesus. You don't have to go to Bible school to get your authority. The minute you're born again, you have your authority. You just got to know how to use it. 
And we started taking authority. Within 10, 15 minutes, that man was calm. His entire countenance changed. And there, I went back years later. I saw him and he's still in good shape. And then his name is Jerry. I've seen him and he, he was still attending church. Still, but that night, man, we, we won. Amen? Listen, when you encounter a devil, cast that sucker out. Don't put up with his junk. Okay? So, when you don't believe the message you heard, when you don't believe what the Bible says, how do I know that you don't believe it? Because you don't do it. See, a believer embraces the message entirely. Right? You will become a doer of what you hear. If you're not doing it, you don't believe it. Oh, it's silent. Woo! Did you know that in Mark 16, Jesus rebuked the unbelief of his disciples because they didn't believe in the resurrection when they were told about it? They did not believe the first report of the resurrection. And Jesus walked into the room when he was resurrected. He, said, he rebuked, oh, got to see this. I was hoping just to tell you, but you got to see it. Go to Mark 16. I don't want you just to take my word for it. I want you to see it. This is Jesus talking here. Mark 16, verse 14. Look at this. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at me. Dinner, they're having dinner. And abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. He rebuked them because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Everybody said, how'd you like to get rebuked while you're having dinner? Right? Jesus didn't even knock. He just showed up. He just walked in. Unexpected. Hey, Jesus, how's it going? I rebuked that unbelief in my name. Okay. Sometimes we need a good rebuke. Unbelief is stinking thinking. They did not believe the message. Well, I don't believe in that healing stuff. Well, then be sick then. What's the alternative? I mean, seriously, you don't want to believe it? Fine, it's have to enjoy your sickness. I'm going to believe that he's my healer. I'm going to believe something different because my belief will change my circumstance. Yeah. Romans 3.3 3 talks about if some don't believe, is that going to hinder God's faithfulness? No, it just won't affect you. God's faithfulness isn't going to change with unbelief. It's just you won't experience God's faithfulness if you don't believe. Does that make sense? Okay. People don't have faith because they don't believe the message or report if they have not heard the truth. Alright? Did you know that Abraham in Romans 4, he did not give in to unbelief, nor did he waver in faith? Why? He gave glory to God. He talked about someone that was given a promise, you're going to have a son, and it took 25 years to have that son. Amen? And you have to keep believing 
Everybody say, keep believing. Ready? Don't stop believing. You have to understand something. When you believe something, you've got to go from A to Z. You can't get to J and decide that you're not going to believe anymore because otherwise you've got to go back to A. You've got to believe, the, everybody say believe the whole way. That means, what kind of walk did God tell us to do? Walk by what? <gasps> walk by faith? That means we don't walk by our feelings. That means we walk by what God said. That means whether I feel like it or not, I'm going by what he said. Irregardless of what I feel. My body says, I don't agree. You say, shut up, body. You're walking. Okay. Did you know that your body has to do what you tell it to do? All of you got out of bed this morning. Don't raise your hands. Since we lost an hour, there were probably some of you that did not want to get up now. But guess what you did? You made yourself get up. You got dressed. Your body had no say in it. Your body had to do what you told it to do. Amen? We can make our bodies do what they need to do. My goal is I want to remove unbelief. Let's take out the trash today. We're going to put unbelief in the trash can and we're taking it out and we're not picking it back up again. Why? Because it stinks. I'm only going to handle it once and out it goes. Everybody say, out with the doubt. All right? That's what we're going to do. We're, we're removing. So what does a true believer look like? All right? Nathaniel was a believer. He simply believed. Didn't need other, any other thing. A true believer is one that responds to the gospel message by trusting in Jesus, his word, his work on Calvary, and his work on Calvary. Everybody say trust. A believer trusts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. When you're trusting, you've got to resist your own understanding of things. Why? You'll be tempted to lean on it. You'll be tempted to lean on your experience. You'll be tempted to lean on what others have told you. But you've got to resist leaning on that, and you've got to trust wholly in the Lord. That's what a believer does. A true believer joins the company of believers in living out the life of believing in the invisible, the unexplainable, and doing the impossible. How many impossible doers do we have in this place today? Amen? Nothing is impossible to them that believe. If you believe, nothing is impossible to you. That means there are possibilities before you. It is possible to be healed. It is possible to be saved. It is possible to prosper. It is possible to overcome. It is possible to have the church in the schools, not out the schools. It is possible to change governments because God holds the hearts of kings in his hands. But what do we do as the church? If we believe, then we pray. You know, our prayers can shake heaven. Our prayers can shake. Our pray the church's prayers, they brought Peter out of a prison with their praying. Government had no say about it. God delivered them right out of the government's, right under the government's nose. And he didn't even know about it. Peter didn't even know about it until he was out of, the, out of the jail cell. He's like, oh, wow, here I am. He thought it was a dream. I mean, my goodness, the angel had to poke him in the side. Why? Because he was sleeping. Thank God for angel. 
some of the angels need to poke you in the side. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. When you get poked by an angel, you know God means business. <laughs> Woo! A true believer is one that they are so convinced that no other proof is needed. I don't need any other evidence other than what the Word says. This is the evidence of things not seen. This makes things that are unseen, seen. This makes things that are unseen a reality. This makes things that are out of my reach, within my reach. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is now. Now faith is the evidence. Amen? We got the evidence. A true believer trusts and relies upon God, his word, with confidence in spite of the atmosphere, circumstances, or crisis. What you do in a crisis reveals what you believe. You're not going to tell if you have a crack in your foundation unless you apply a little pressure. The pressure will reveal the crack. Amen? I'm sitting in a room full of true believers today. A believer, a true believer, is a person of faith, a person whose faith is fastened on God, as one who, by his manner, is the sole, certain, and sure reality in this life. Amen? It's God's way. It's God's doing. We, when we acknowledge God, then that gives Him the ability to direct our paths. God is faithful and unchanging. He's established in eternity. Woo! He's established in eternity. Glory to God. He is who He is. Because He is who He is, we can commit ourselves to Him. Whenever you commit into his hands, he is able to take care of. In the name of Jesus. How many of you, you came in with cares today? You got cares? What does the Bible say for us to do with our cares? We're supposed to cast those cares unto the Lord. Why? He cares for you. You were not designed to carry cares. Amen? But today... We are establishing a believing body of believers. Amen? A believing body of Christians. We're believers today. No matter what you experience, no matter what you're going through, your belief in God will see you through. Your belief in God will change things. Your belief in God will bring you the victory. Your belief in God will bring relief. Your belief in God will bring provision. The other day, there was a speech given, and Americans were told to have faith in the government. No, we need to have faith in God, not the government. We need to have faith in God. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. We got some people in here with the God kind of faith. Faith that moves mountains. Faith that causes miracles to happen. Faith that causes the impossible to happen. If you came in with a care that's been burdening you, that's been a heavy weight, time to release that care. I want you to come up front. You need-
need healing in your body, I want you to come up front. If you need a touch from God, if you need to be filled with His Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to come up front. I'm inviting you to come right now in the name of Jesus. If you've gotten off track, no one's going to know if you've gotten off track. You just come and get right on track. Amen. Hallelujah. How many want to see greater things? Say, say, Father, I'm here today. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He's the King of Israel. Thank you for opening my eyes and causing me to see greater things. Now, those of you who pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, just worship. I want you to be engaged. Don't be talking. This is an important time. These people need a touch from God. They need the power of God in the name of Jesus. Oh, God wants you to know, daughter, that all things are possible to you. I will provide for you, says the Lord. I will make a way for you, says the Lord. I will take your hand and I will lead God and direct you because I love you, says the Lord. And I'm touching you today. I'm filling you with my power, my glory. In the name of Jesus, I will free you from captivity. I will turn your captivity around in the name of Jesus. And I will give you double for your trouble, just like I did for Job in the name of Jesus. Be filled and behold in the name of Jesus. I'll get to you in just a second. Father, I thank you for touching her in the depth of her heart, Lord, and meeting her where she is right now and bringing her up higher. Bringing her up, Father, breaking chains, removing barriers, removing the limits in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Father. She is breaking through, breaking through the barriers, breaking through those things that have held her back in the name of Jesus. Breaking chains and opening prisons in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Fill her up, Holy Ghost. Fill her up and touch her in the name of Jesus. Your belief in God is turning bad things around into good in the name of Jesus. The Lord wants you to know. He's saying, Em, I got your back. I'm for you. And if I'm for you, no one can be against you. No one can stop you. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on it so great that a room can't contain it in the name of Jesus. Blessing of health, blessing of vitality. Lord, I call every muscle loose, every joint loose, every vertebrae aligned. No pain. I command the pain in her body to be gone because, Lord, you fixed the problem. You fixed the problem with your touch, with your power, with your love, with your word, with your Holy Ghost. 
in the name of Jesus. You're working out her health and her wealth. You're his beloved. And he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. As you continue to prosper in your soul, you're going to prosper in your body. You're going to prosper in your mind. You're going to prosper in your finances. I've got good and great plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you an expected end so that you are whole. Whole. All this body is being made whole. Just like the bones in Ezekiel. I prophesy, Father, to the to the Spirit in the name of Jesus, command these bones and these joints, Father, to be fixed and loosed right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, a new fresh and anointing is poured on her right now. A new and fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. Woo! Oh, take it in. Drink it in. It's yours in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. Lord, she's come here to receive today, and receive is what is happening right now. Lord, she's receiving the download. She's receiving the strength and the glory. She's receiving the fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. She's receiving of your power in the name of Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, and I thank you, Lord. She is free indeed. Free because you have made her free through your word, through your spirit, through what she's heard. Lord, in the name of Jesus, she believes and therefore she receives of the goodness of God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, fill her up. Full, full, full. Overflow. Overflow. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to drive unbelief out of our hearts. Don't give it roots. Reject it. Replace it with the Word. God's Word applies to every area of life. Say, I'm a believer. Therefore, I'm a receiver. Through what I believe. I receive good things from my Father. All of heaven's goods are heaped on me. I have an abundant supply of everything I need, want, and desire. I lack no good thing. Hallelujah! Shout about that! Glory to God! Praise the Lord Jesus! Hallelujah. God has filled you full of faith. He's given you the measure of faith. And you're adding to it by the word of God. You're adding to your faith, patience and love and kindness and self-control. And you're making your faith more effective. It can take on heavier weights. Oh, hallelujah. Your faith makes you unstoppable. 
Your faith makes you victorious. Your faith brings you up higher. Hallelujah. We please the Lord with our faith. So let's go please Him this week. Amen. Believe for what you need. Believe for what you want. Find scriptures on it. Find the promise on it. And take Him at His word. Accept it as truth. Because it is the absolute truth. And keep growing with God. Keep coming. Keep drinking. Oh, we got to do some more drinking. The body of Christ needs to know how to drink. We're supposed to be able to come to Him and drink. Amen. Drink. Drink in. Glory to God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. You believe in the joy. Glory. The joy of the Lord. It's mighty and powerful. It's effervescent. It'll shake you up. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. J-O-Y. Joy. 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 Joy unspeakable. Joy. Ha, ha, ha. Joy. Joy. Joy is flowing out of you right now. Joy. New wine. Intoxicating presence. The fullness of joy. That joy is rising, but it's not full yet. It's rising. Ah, yes. The Holy Ghost is the yeast of joy. He makes your joy bread rise. <laughs> and he's putting the icing on that cake. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Joy. 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 You're going to go see greater things? Always be open. Amen. Believing is seeing greater things. Have a great and wonderful day. God bless you.